recording now. So Amanda, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So how did you hear about Adoption Story? Um, funny enough, just uh, one of my best friends just sent me a link to your video on your Instagram. Yeah. And I reached out. She's always finding stuff for me that <laughs> just happens to be perfect. So that's amazing. I'm so happy that it like, that's, that was like the whole point was like to yeah. have people that I don't know personally that, you know, meeting for the first time, like seeing your face for the first time on screen is like really awesome. Definitely. Um, so Amanda, you were adopted, correct? Yes. And where were you adopted from? So I was adopted from Dominican Republic. I was born in Santo Domingo, which is the capital there. Um, and I was adopted in 1988 when I was two weeks old. Two weeks. Yes. So that's really, do you know any of your story? Um, I do now. Um, I, re, I was able to connect with my, my biological family in 2017 via an ancestry DNA test. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's, it's kind of crazy. But growing up, I did not know much. I knew that there were other siblings who were born before me and kind of just the typical, they, they wanted you to have a better life, didn't have money to take care of you. So they did what was best for you. So knowing that you had older siblings uh-huh. with your biological parents, yes, what did that do for you? What to you? Oh gosh. I mean, I had a lot of questions growing up. I always just wondered if they were out there, you know, were my parents still alive? Were my, what if they moved here? Um, I mean, when I was nine was the first time I ever met another Dominican. And I remember just thinking like, what if we're related? Where are you from there? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I used to have the same thing. Like I'd be at McDonald's with my family and there'd be like an Asian man. And like, <laughs> I don't even know his ethnic, like, I don't, you know what I mean? I have no idea, but he looks like me. So yeah. I'd always be like, that could be my dad. That That's happened. my dad right there. Yeah. Yeah. Every time. And then like scenarios would just start running through my head where I was like, oh my God, if that's my dad, what was he doing here? Anyways. Yes. I know that feeling. It's a pretty yeah. crazy feeling when you like. It is see a stranger <laughs> and you think that could be my father? Like, absolutely. Probably not. Um, <laughs> so where did you grow up? At two weeks, you were, were you flown? To- yes. Um, so my story's a little, I, I've been able to listen to your other episodes and my story's, you know, I resonate with a lot of what was said, but my story's a little different too. Um, I know Tia, I think, said that her parents um, divorced when she was young. Yeah. So my, my adoptive parents also divorced when I was uh, two, I believe, and my dad got custody of me, and then he remarried when I was like three or four. Um, so I grew up with her, his, his second wife being my mom. Oh. Um, I'm rambling. Now I forgot your question. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's totally good. I wanted to hear. So you, so wait, adoptive family, you were flown so where did you grow up, I guess? Okay, where did I? Okay, so yes, I lived in Ohio. <laughs> Thank you. Get, get me back on track. I lived in Ohio um, until I was, until they divorced when I was about two. Okay. And then my dad brought me to Texas, which is where I am now. Um, lived here until I was nine, which is when I moved to New York. 
Oh. We moved to New York. My dad got a new job that took us there. That's where I met the first Dominicans in my life. So I was yeah, like, I was yeah, an alien. Was There's other to... Dominicans in the world, you know? Yeah. Um, so I've kind of lived all over. I lived in New York. Then we moved to Georgia when I was uh, 13. And I stayed there through high school and into college. And then I ended up here um, when I was in my early 20s um, in the DFW area. Okay. So you, all right. So a lot of Texas. A lot of Texas, yeah. So then also you were the first interviewee who is not Asian. Yeah. So this is something like, you know, I think with a lot of the Asian adoptees, a lot of the talk is about being Asian. Yes. Um, and about the Asian identity also being within a white family. And yeah. was your family white? Yes. Okay. So I, like I said, I mean, a lot of what you guys said, even though I'm not Asian, a lot of it still resonated with me. You know, you mentioned the coming home from school or whatever, and you come home to a family that is your family, but you don't look like them. Yeah. Um, and, and I grew up in white communities as well. So even going to school, you know, I was a minority at school. I'm the only brown person in my house. Um, you know, so, so yeah. Um, are you also, I, I resonate with a lot of that. Are you the only child? I have four brothers. So um, when I was adopted, they had already had two boys and they wanted a girl. Yeah. Hence adoption. Mm-hmm. Um, when they divorced and my dad remarried, his wife had two boys. So I have four brothers, technically two are stepbrothers. Yeah. But since I don't share blood with any of my family anyway, they're just all my brothers, you know? <laughs> Such a good point. Yeah. I've never thought of that before where it's like, yeah. oh my God, that's such a good point. I've never <laughs> I mean, yeah, because even if my parents had divorced or whatever, and I had stepbrothers, who would even care? Because, yeah. Yeah. They're just your brothers. I mean. Yeah. That's so interesting. Okay. So then how, so the two older brothers, how much old, because I, I'm familiar with that. I have two older brothers. Okay. One is 12 years older than me and the other one is nine years older. Oh, wow. Do you have a large age gap also? So funny enough, the two that, um, the two that I, how do I say this? The two that were born into, born by the parents who adopted me, um, they are five and six years older than me. Okay. Um, now the two that came from my mom are, um, one's actually 16 years older than me and the other is four years older than me. So they have a large gap. Um, but we're kind of just, yeah, we're all spread out. And are you guys close? No, no. With um, any of them? Say that again. With any of them? Um, not really. We don't live near each other. I do have one brother in Dallas, but you know, I have children of my own now. He just lives a different lifestyle. He's kind of like single, works at a bar. So, <laughs> you know, um, no, we're really not very close, unfortunately. And it's not like there's any bad blood. We just don't see each other often. We just do our own thing. And yeah. Do you feel like that's different than your other friends who don't, who are not adopted? Definitely. Like- definitely. And I mean, even for my husband, it's different. It, it took a long time for me to get used to my husband's family being so tight knit. They're very close. They talk daily. We see them all the time. And that was weird for me. I'm used to much like, you know, your episode three with Tia, where her family kind of kept to themselves and there's that generational gap. My parents are also much older. Um, So we all just kind of kept our emotions to ourselves and, and that's kind of still how it is. Okay. I mean, I just also, for me, I feel like 
I do talk to my family a lot. Like we talk every day, there's a group text, whatever, but there is something I think to be said for that feeling of distance within your own family. Yeah. Like you don't always feel super close and it's not like you can describe it. It's just like, you're almost, you know, that you would be fine if, if that gap went longer. Do you know what I mean? Like the gap. Absolutely. It's a strange, like, and it's not that you want that or that you desire that. It's just that you kind of feel like you would be okay, regardless of what happens. And I don't know if that started at like birth when you kind of had to start fending for yourself in a way. And then also, like I've said before, coming into a home where no one looks like you again, figuring stuff out for yourself. Now, Um, yeah. What's interesting about it, though, is um, so I actually had the opportunity uh, to two weekends ago meet my biological sister for the first time. Two weeks ago. Two weekends ago. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it was we were so close right from the get go. I mean, we've been talking via, you know, text and and a little bit of FaceTime. There is a, a language barrier because in Dominican Republic, the primary language is Spanish and I speak little Spanish and she speaks little English. So it was interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, we like laid in bed together and snuggled and I mean, it was, we were very close from the get go and it was this whole different feeling that I've never experienced. Oh my God. So, wow. So you, all right. So then did that get started because of the 2017 ancestry? It did. Yeah. So what happened with that is um, I took the ancestry test really not, not intending to or expecting to be linked to any relatives. I mean, I'm, I'm not th- thinking, I bet my biological parents have taken an ancestry test over in Dominican <laughs> Republic. You know, I mean, I took it just to kind of see my genetic makeup because Dominicans are kind of a mashup of things anyway. Um, and it did in fact link me to a lot of cousins, but distant cousins, second and third cousins. So I, I reached out to some of them just to see, um, I sent this little, you know, my name's Amanda. I was adopted in 88, da, 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 you know, just kind of a quick rundown of my story and to see if anybody's like, oh dude, your mom's sitting right next to me. Of course, that's what I, that's what I'm expecting in my head. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, but I had one, uh, third cousin who, uh, was really receptive. She's like, your family doesn't matter if you're third, fourth, or fifth cousin. She's like, here's my phone number. So I gave her all of my adoption paperwork, um, which have uh, my parents' names and their Cedula numbers, which is similar to a, an ID number here in America. Yeah. And so I gave her that information and she was able to pull some strings. And within 24 hours, I woke up to a text message that had a picture of my mother. No way. Phone, a, a picture of my biological mother. Yeah. Her phone number and her address in a text message. My third cousin was able to find this for me. So yeah. that's how it all, like, it literally came from you reaching out to second and third cousins that you found. Yeah. And then they totally, it came, it worked, it came through. Like, it came through. So, holy cow. Okay. There's like so many questions. I had to start writing them down. Like, (laughs) so, okay. So what, all right, to go all the way back, what started you on the journey to want, well, like you said, I guess you did ancestry.com to really start seeing your makeup, like to see, you know, all of the ethnicities and stuff. For sure. But then what was the driving force for you to start reaching out about being adopted? 
So, I mean, I think I always had a lot of questions, um, but, you know, much like how Tia said, um, my parents and I didn't really talk about adoption a whole lot. Um, and so growing up, I just was left to wonder, left with my imagination. But as when I got into high school, I really started trying to connect more with like Latinx people at school um, and also black friends at school and um, try to dive into just, like, just try to discover more about my culture. We didn't do gotcha day. We didn't, I didn't grow up learning about my culture. So I did get more interested. Um, and, uh, you know, taking the test was just a part of trying to find some answers with, within that. So um, how did you, I mean, all right. So then speeding forward, you got the phone number. Yes. Of your mom. That's a crazy, that was, that was a crazy, crazy thing to wake up to. So I, I, was, mean, I, I just feel like it's so interesting also because you're the only person so far that I've talked to that didn't go through a full agency. You went through your own, like your own deal. You made it yeah. happen and it succeeded. You didn't go yeah. through all this legal stuff. You're like, you know what? I'm just going to send a message. And, and you got <laughs> your mom's phone number. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, okay. yeah, I, um, and it's funny because over the years I had, you know, with social media, I had, you know, gotten on Facebook and typed in my mom's name or typed in my dad's name and just hoped maybe I'd find them. That never worked. I Googled them. That never worked. I, I reached out to like some government agency over in Dominican Republic. That didn't work. It was an ancestry DNA test and a third cousin. Um, but yeah, when I got the phone number, I decided at this point, I believe I was 28. And I decided it's been 28 years of wondering. And, and so I'm just going to call. I have her number. I have her picture. I'm calling, you know. So I Googled how to once again say who I am, you know, that I'm looking for my mom and ask if, if she's my mom, which thinking back, that's such a, a crazy thing to do to a person. You know, she's, she's not knowing who I am, where, you know, where I'm at what came of me. And then I'm just all of a sudden showing up in her life. Like, Hey, it's your daughter that you placed for adoption 28 years ago. But I called, I said my broken Spanish thing and, um, she couldn't really understand me. And she started rattling off something in Spanish. I couldn't understand her. Um, I got really overwhelmed with emotion all of a sudden. And I started crying hysterically and I, uh, she ended up hanging up on me. <laughs> So I immediately call one of my friends who spoke Spanish fluently and told her what was going on. And she's like, I'm on my way. She lived about an hour away though. So in that hour, I'm just sitting there waiting. And meanwhile, my phone rings and it's a New York number. So I answered it and I hear on the other end, my mother told me to call you. And I'm like, you're my sister. Oh, I just got, oh my God, I'm going to start Yeah. Crying. Yeah. And she goes, No. And I said, yes, yes, listen. I'm like, this is my mom's name. This is my dad's name. I was adopted. You're my sister. So she is, of course, caught entirely off guard. And she says, I need to call my mom. I'll call you back. So um, we hang up. In the meantime, my friend does arrive at my house. And I'm just wondering, are they ever going to call back? Is my mom going to deny the thing? Do they believe me at all? Like, was that my one chance? And now they're just going to block my number and I never hear from them again? So, um, no, sure enough, we got a call back and it was much easier once my friend was there to translate. Um, and she explained everything. We ended up sending pictures of my adoption papers as proof. 
And um, from then on, I was added to a like a group text chain in WhatsApp with my other siblings. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, it all happened whoosh all of a sudden. My life, like all these questions were just answered in an instant. You know, um, it was very overwhelming and it was not at all what I expected. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that seems, I mean, that's so fast. Yeah. That's like, so then in that WhatsApp group text, I mean, was it, how was it received that they had a sister? Um, I guess my mom had biological mom had always said, I wonder what came of the daughter that I, you know, gave away, or I wonder what came of my daughter. And they all thought she was crazy. They just shrugged it off and ignored her. They never really thought that I existed. What? Um, yeah. Um, cause she never really went into more detail of that, I guess. Um, and so it was a shock to all of them. Um, but I, I mean, it was, I was well-received, you know, it was just 28 years of catching up to do. Um, so it was, it was interesting. I mean, I, it was almost, it was weird. I thought I'd have all these very specific questions that I'd want answers to, but when it came time, I really didn't know what to ask. I didn't know really what I wanted to know. And, and there was still, oddly enough, a feeling of not belonging because of the language barrier, because of the cultural differences you know, um, a lot of like jokes don't translate from one language to another. So there was stuff I just, I mean, simple things like that, but it was still like, okay, here is another situation where I still don't fully fit in. Yeah. Um, and so that was kind of hard because it didn't go exactly how I expected. Um, hmm. But one interesting thing that did happen is, um, you know, the story I had been told about why I was placed for adoption was somewhat, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I guess it was confirmed. However, my mom, my biological mother told me that she never intended to give me up for adoption, that she gave me to the orphanage to keep me for a period of time until her dad, my dad and her could get back on their feet. He could get steady work again. And then they were supposed to get me back. And then, like, the way that it translated was kind of the next thing she knew I was gone with the Americans. What? Yeah. So I didn't know if I immediately believed that, but I was talking to a friend recently who said that used to be very common. Um, oh, my God. I mean, that's, I mean, this is, again, to what Tia had talked about in episode three. Yeah. About the commodification of children. Um, exactly. And I am wondering, I mean, obviously this is all speculation and like what age agency wasn't, th was it through, you know? That I don't know. I have like an attorney's name, but I don't even know that I have an agency name. I know that I was in like little orphanage with other kids. I have pictures of that, but yeah, I, I don't know the name of. It's, the I mean, that sounds like if they couldn't, I mean, that was also in the Dominican Republic. They should have been able to translate that correctly. Exactly. And that's sketchy. It's very sketchy. And, and it was hard to take. I'm a mother myself now. So I tried to put myself in her shoes of if I found myself in such a terrible position that I couldn't care for my baby. Um, so I trust someone else to care for them for a period of time, expecting that the end result is getting my baby back. And then I never see them again, you know? So 
I still, I still struggle with, I, I want more, I want to know more about that. And I have not asked my, my biological mom to dive into that any deeper because where I struggle is that her name and my father's name are on the adoption paperwork, you know, and it, unless they didn't understand what it said, yeah. I don't know if they could read, um, you know, there's just more to dive into there for sure. So that's yeah. kind of still a mystery for me. Wow. That would be an interesting, I mean, to research that, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Really track down like where the orphanage was, the people, yes. the organizations that were involved, if it was, yeah, who it was associated with. Um, wow. That's really interesting. Um, so you, did you go ever go to the Dominican Republic to meet them? So I have not met my mom yet um, or any of my other siblings, except for the, the sister I met a couple weekends ago. I went back to Dominican Republic in 2008. Um, and again, it was one of those situations where I'm looking at everyone like, is that my mom? Is that my mom? Is that, you know, <laughs> but uh, at that time, that was before, of course, finding my biological family. So we haven't had the chance to meet yet, but we do FaceTime. We do um, check in with each other you know, through text and everything. Um, but it's on, it's on my to-dos for sure. Has this made a difference in your relationship with your adoptive family? Uh, no, surprisingly. I was scared to tell them when I first reconnected, when I first connected with the biological family, um, but they were nothing but supportive. My dad was more shocked than anything because growing up, he was always really careful to tell me, you know, chances are you're never going to find them. You know, unfortunately, that's just the way that it is. And there's not good records. And, you know, I know he did that to try to protect my feelings. He didn't want me to get my hopes up. So he was shocked. And he, I think he made a joke, like, you already have one crazy family. Now you're going to have another one to get to know, you know. But, um, and then my mom is a little more like of a straight shooter and analytical. And she's like, just make sure you don't get taken advantage of because you're American and, you know, they might start asking you for things. And that's so. An, that's an interesting perspective. I mean, I would have never thought about that. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it wasn't my first thought. <laughs> they're going to ask me for money now. <laughs> yeah. I would never even would have thought about that. Um, do you feel like you look like them? Yes. Um, so my sister, especially after meeting her in person, we have similar mannerisms. We laugh the same. We smile the same, you know. Um, immediately seeing my mom, I didn't see that, that uh, resemblance that I had hoped to see when I opened my phone and got that text message, you know, with her picture immediately. Didn't see it. Um, but over the, the past few years and seeing more of her, I do see we have the same cheeks. And, yeah. you know, apparently I look more like my dad, though, who passed away in 2009. So they were, t- I mean, they were together. So they... They were not together anymore, but all of my siblings are full siblings from them. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So they were, do you have any younger siblings? Yeah. Yeah. I have a, a sister who's one year younger than me. Okay. Um, and again, with that situation where supposedly I was kind of stolen, <laughs> um, I can understand them keeping her, you know? Well- and also trying really fast. Try, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. So it was a little strange at first to find that out. And I, I believe when I found out that she was a year younger than me, it was before I knew that my mom thought that she was going to get me back. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't feel strange about it. I can understand how it could happen. Yeah. You know, you fall on hard times and things get better and, you know, 
they had they had another child so yeah. i mean that's definitely i feel like the case with a lot of adoptees especially if the mothers were young like my biological mother like on the paperwork at least it says that she's 19 so yeah. it's like yeah i i mean it's nothing that i would ever blame them for and right. it's like you know i'm i tend to be a person maybe it's naive but i do think that at least in my case it was probably for the best of the child yeah and um i know that there's probably a lot that i don't know obviously and there's probably a lot more different options that could have been chosen but i think for me i've always felt really fortunate and i don't want to i don't want that to be confused with saviorism with like my parents and all that kind of stuff but i do feel fortunate for the life that i've had because yeah. i don't have any complaints with that and i think after for you at least the question i have coming is seeing how your siblings grew up seeing where your mom grew up and all that other kind of stuff how does it make you feel to be here um, similar to what you just explained, I mean, in spite of thinking maybe I was never supposed to be here if, if my mom was supposed to get me back into her arms, um, in spite of that, I still feel fortunate because I have opportunities I may not have been afforded had I been raised in, in you know, the DR. Um, so I do feel a certain amount of, you know, um, of luck, I guess, um, but yeah, <laughs> I feel like I missed out in a way, though, still. Um, I feel like I miss out on the bond that my my siblings have with my mom and, and my extended biological family. Um, because, you know, in my adoptive family, we weren't close. Right. And my sister told me that, you know, all my siblings, they'll just all lay in bed together. They'll just all, you know, I never had that. I never no. had that. Um, and Dominican Republic is a beautiful country, despite the poverty. I mean, they grew up with such a simple life, like just playing on the beach and, you know, that kind of stuff. So there is a part of me that wonders what if. Yeah. But uh, being a spiritual person like I am, I think I am here. I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. And what's meant for me has has already, you know, found me and will continue to do so. So, yeah, um, I've been to the Dominican Republic. Back yeah. in 2006, and it really is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, it is like the beaches are amazing. Yeah. Like yeah. it's it's a, and like you said, outside of the poverty and you know, because um, I mean the majority of it is impoverished, but it yeah. is a gorgeous place. Um, so I want to ask. All right, you had mentioned before that you yourself are. You, I mean, I don't even know how to, I mean, I've never, (laughs) I've actually never met anybody. So I can't, I don't even know how to ask it. Yeah. Um, I know where you're going with it though. Yeah. I can just, I can take it from here. Please do. Yes. Amanda, take it away. (laughs) So yeah. Thank you for asking Emily. (laughs) Um, So yeah, when I was 16, I became pregnant Um, and I actually gave birth to a daughter who I placed for adoption. Um, So I myself am a birth mother is how I like to say it. I mean, um, yeah, I guess there's a lot to unpack there, but I don't really know what it is that you, maybe what your questions would be around around that situation. It it did change my opinions and I guess my outlook on my own adoption. 
um, in a sense of understanding, you know? I think one of my biggest questions is how, do, I mean, it's two parts. How did you come to the conclusion of adoption? Mm-hmm. And then how was it, I mean, how was it dealing with it afterwards? Yeah. So coming to that conclusion, I will say I was strongly encouraged by my parents. Um, Forced? Absolutely not. Encouraged? Yes. Um, My dad's wife, who I call mom, she actually was a teenage mother. So she had her first son at 16. And so, you know, she kind of told me, of course, about what all she went through, working three jobs, being a single mom, all that kind of stuff. That would have been the situation I would have been in would be a single mother. I was not in a committed relationship at the time. And so, you know, I, I had goals. I wanted to finish school, um, you know, and, and people can look at that like it's a selfish decision, but I also knew I was 16. How, how much could I really provide to this child? Not only, and I don't mean in a sense of material things, but also, also emotionally, my emotional maturity was not (laughs) there you know, and I I never could have loved that baby more. Um, But I knew that maybe there was a better place for her. Um, And so I came to the conclusion with encouragement for sure, research, um, but also just weighing all of my options, all of them, you know, you have choices in that situation for sure. Um, And for me, that was what I deemed was best. Um, Dealing with afterwards was immediately hard, of course, very emotional. Um, I've never cried so hard as the day that I left the hospital without her. Um, But ultimately, as I got older and older, for me and my heart, I knew that I made the best decision. Um, And also, I want to add that it is a semi-open adoption. So I have always received pictures of her. I've always had contact with her her adoptive parents. Um, In the beginning, it was like through the agency. So I would mail them letters and then they would forward them so that we didn't have each other's personal information. But after time, um, now we have each other's cell phone numbers, emails, addresses and everything. And um, actually in 2020, uh, I was able to write a letter to my daughter and, uh, and she wrote back. And so, yeah, we've had our first that was our first communication ever directly with each other. Um, and the, she was born in 05. Um, oh, wow. So, yeah. She's a teenager. She's a teenager. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I mean, that comes at such a crucial time, I think, for a teenage girl. Definitely. Definitely. Right. And, and in writing that letter, I really wanted to put the ball in her court because I tried to put myself... I tried to think back when I was her age and what I would have wanted from my biological mom had I reconnected with her at that age. And I didn't want to hear anything. I didn't, I don't think I would have wanted to hear. I I would have wanted to be in control. I want to, I wanted to be considerate of her emotions and really just tell her, I will answer any questions that you have. Um, You know, I didn't want to bombard her with information that she might not have wanted, but she did have a ton of questions. And it was silly, like, teenager stuff. Like, well, how tall is my dad? Because I want to be tall. And, you know, (laughs) I mean, like, silly, silly stuff. Um, And so it was kind of a surface conversation to begin with. And and I'm totally fine with that. The ball is still in her court. And I want to only do what she's comfortable with, of course. 
I mean, I'm totally gonna start crying just because I mean, I feel like, you know, so she's 15 now. Yeah. So she's one year younger than how old you were. Exactly. I mean, exactly. Yeah. I, I think for teenage girls, that's just, yeah, those kinds of questions. How tall is my dad? Like that, (laughs) those like the looks kind of questions, like, you know, what am I going to look like? Um, those are so important just because it's like, I mean, if I had someone to talk to about what I look like or what to expect when I got older or like, even like the breast cancer question, you know, when you get asked at, (laughs) dude, at your doctor's appointments every time, do you have family history of, yeah, no idea. I have no idea. And yeah, I think, anyways, what were you going to say, Amanda? So yeah, her adoptive mom a year or two ago asked me about my medical history. You know, I think, uh, I think she, um, I'm trying not to use names of course, but I think, um, my daughter, her daughter, I think she was struggling with some anxiety, which I also do and plagued with. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, things like that, it's helpful for her to know. And I kind of told her what kind of stuff helps me. And then also it's so weird. It's, I don't, I did hair for 10 years. This seems off topic, but I'm going to circle back. I did hair for 10 years and come to find out my younger uh, biological sibling and my brother also do hair no way yeah and then my an aunt does hair um well when I'm writing with my daughter she wants to do hair (laughs) so it's like this is in yeah it's so crazy I mean you know they say like environment or nurture versus what is it you know I mean it's in your it's in your blood there are certain things that you just don't get from your adoptive family and it's just in there for sure. I 100% believe that. I mean, yeah. it's like, I mean, my brother, even with his biological children, like he has said, he's like, when they are born, you see their personality immediately. They're yeah. just their own person as soon as they come out. Yes. And it's like, that's the kind of stuff that like, as adopted children miss, we don't yeah. get to see that like, oh, well, like our parents have a trait that's similar yeah. to hair thing, or it's like, you know, maybe the way that I laugh, like you said about your sister, like those traits, it's so, I think when it be, it's the familiar and comforting, I, I'm sure for your biological daughter, it's so comforting to know. Yeah. She, she probably feels like she's on the right path, that there's nothing weird. There's, you know, she just feels more like normal. Yeah. Get those questions answered. And I, and I sent pictures of myself, my husband, my kids, um, you know, cause I, I do have kids at home now. Um, my son looks so much like me. And so I was able to send her that picture. They kind of look similar. She looks so much like me. I mean, when I, you know, I, like I said, I've gotten pictures of her over this, the whole past 15 years. And I have pictures of her that I can put next to pictures of oh. me when I was a kid. And it's like twins. No so it's, it's really interesting. And that kind of stuff has always interested me. Um, because I didn't grow up with, with that, you know, I didn't grow up looking at my being like, Oh, I've got my mom's smile or anything like that. So no, I mean, that's a huge, hu- I mean, that's the one thing I think I wonder the most is yeah. like, who do I look more like? Yes. And it's super strange. And maybe it's just because, and I think you can relate growing up in a white community, aging is a little bit different for us. Like our skin. Yeah. Uh, what is it, like Asian don't raisin. So it's like, <laughs> 
<laughs> black don't crack and <laughs> yeah. yeah like so when I see you know older people like older white people I'm like it's not a good mirroring because I have no it's not going to be me at 50, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like I won't be getting those sags right there yeah. yeah but then I look at an Asian woman and it is like sometimes I stare like yeah. I can't help it I'm like because I've never seen an older Asian woman's face so I just finally see like certain lines that my mom, my mom doesn't have, you know? Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it's really amazing that your daughter has this opportunity to have a guide, to have a guide. Yeah. Kind of, you know? Yeah. I want that for her so much. I want everything for her that I didn't have. And she's her own person. So her feelings about the whole situation could be entirely different. I know her experience in her family is much different than mine was or is in my adoptive family. Um, They do the gotcha day thing. They try to incorporate their kids' culture. They have other adopted children as well. So, um, and they're all adopted from different countries, different ethnicities. So um they do that and and that was not my experience so I you know it makes me happy for her but I think she'll she'll grow up with more of a sense of her identity and belonging and and I didn't have that so well and I think that that's something that we've tried to re like reiterate throughout the podcast a little bit is like for parents to understand like raising an adopted child it takes it's not the same So really playing into, you know, I think it's a fine balance of not being like, you're Asian, you're Asian, or like, you know what I mean? Like, not like that, but but at the same time, being able to celebrate differences. Exactly. And opening the door to a lot of other kinds of, you know, cultures, flavors, everything. Exactly. And not ignoring it. It, it, you have to acknowledge the differences because- my parents very much wanted to just, we're all the same. We're all just people. And no, that made me feel different because no, there are differences. Please acknowledge them and let's, let's just talk about it, you know? Um, and so, yeah, I find that extremely important. Um, if I were to ever adopt, that would be like a, a main priority for me. And, and I know a few white families here that have adopted, you know, kids of, of other um other backgrounds as well. And, and, um, it makes me happy that I think that is changing. I think it's more of a conscious decision these days to raise a kid with their culture and, and instill a sense of identity in them outside of you just are a part of this family. That's not an identity, you know, it's not. And, you know, it's really interesting. Like I was just in Texas and I was visiting my family and something had happened when I was like 15 years old between me and my mom. And it was something that really, I mean, it was pretty, it's still a big deal in my life and I'm 30 years old and, you know, it was a slip of the tongue kind of thing. She said something and we talked about it last week and she just kind of told me, you know, I really always saw you just as one of us kind of thing. You know what I mean? I didn't mean, she was like, I didn't really see any difference. That was ultimately baseline what she was saying. And that's, that's part of the issue is because if you think that your adopted child is just like one of you, you're going to miss out on everything that makes them different and special. And I just, I think, you know, part of the other reason of doing this podcast is also for potential people 
that are going to adopt and also adoptive parents now. Yes. And it's just so important, I think, for your child. Your child looks in the mirror and sees what they look like. They know that they look different. So you have to acknowledge it. Exactly. And if you don't, I think there can be a lot of self, like identity crisis, a lot of um, internal, like we t- I talked about with Steve, like internal racism. Um, I think just more problems always arise when you try to cover them up. Exactly. And don't ever try to cover stuff up. So, but you, but Amanda, now you have children, biological children. Yeah. How much do you have? I have two. Okay. So how was the experience with the, you know, with your oldest being born and then you could come home? So, yeah, it was a much different experience, obviously, than having a child that didn't come home with me um, when I was a teenager. Um, I mean, it's, I think the coolest thing was he was the first person that I shared DNA with that I got to spend time with. I mean, you know, and, and so, yeah, I searched his face as all moms do, but I, I was also searching his face and his mannerisms and everything for like signs of me, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that sounds like narcissism, but it's like when you're not raised with that, yeah. it's just, it's, it was more of that curiosity. And I mean, yeah. Um, it's, it's really cool, honestly. I, you know, I know that you talked about um, with Tia not really having an interest, you know, or I'm going, not having an interest in, in having your own children. Yeah. <laughs> no. And, and, and yeah, feeling like, are they going to seem like they're adopted if they come out and they look like you, which is not like the rest of your family. Yeah. Well, here's a funny thing. My, you can see my eyes are black just about, you know, I've got dark skin, obviously, black eyes, black hair, and um, both of my kids have light eyes. My daughter's blonde. My son has, yeah, blue eyes and green eyes, light hair, fair skin, and so there was actually a time, yeah. Now, their their dad's white, but still, those features, my features are supposed to be dominant. Yeah. (laughs) Nope. (laughs) Uh, but there was a time that my dad, speaking of my, my adoptive dad, he, um, he forgot that I was adopted, literally. I mean, I said, yeah, it's just crazy. I never expected to have a blue-eyed child. And he's like, well, that's from my side of the family. Yeah. That's, and I was like, dad, you remember that uh, you went and got me from Dominican yeah. Republic? You know, he's like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, but they've never felt different. I've never felt, I mean... My own insecurities and my own identity crisis has, has not luckily in, in any way that I see transferred to them. They don't feel different within my white family. Yeah. Um, you know, they, and they've never been treated any differently. So that's, a, I mean, that is so amazing though, that your children have light eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one has blue and one has green eyes. One has blonde hair. One has uh, a medium brown hair, but. I mean, I mean, how did that even happen? I mean, I'm so curious about your DNA now. To Yeah, so my dad actually is a scientist and he studied like genetics and everything in college. And um, I mean, it is uncommon, but there are blue eyes in my biological family. Okay. Two of my cousins that I found have bright blue eyes. We have the exact same nose, you know, and I guess as long as there's blue eyes on both sides, it it's the chances are low, but it can happen. And it just so happened. And I think, 
genetics are so cool. Like, so cool. really. And it's like mixing races and like seeing that. It really, I honestly, it sounds like horrible of me to say. Sometimes they are the most beautiful children you've ever seen. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. when you have a mixed race child, it's just like, yeah gorgeous yeah and yeah that's maybe a little biased but I'm gonna agree with you (laughs) you can 100% agree with me yeah the I mean so one of my last questions I have then is something I've asked everybody and that but I ask it mainly because I've been really shocked and that is I mean you mentioned kind of if you did adopt but would you would you adopt um it was never on my radar. I used to actually have guilt about it. I kind of had a guilt about having my own children um, because I was like, shouldn't I have this, this desire to adopt? But I never did. Um, as I've gotten older, my husband has talked about n- more kids and um, my vanity speaking for me is like, this body is done having children. So, I mean, it's a possibility. I'm not, I'm not entirely... Um, closed off to the idea, but it's not necessarily something that I have a strong desire right. to do. Um, God, it, this is so funny. Cause now it's like, still, it's like zero to four where it's like, I'm like, yeah, I'd adopt. And everyone that I've asked, they're like, eh. like yeah. some, are, some are a strong no. And others are like you, Amanda, where you're like, no, you know, like there's yeah. not yes or no. It's just like, right. it's a thing to think about. Yeah. If the, if the situation arose and it was like this perfect scenario and it felt like it was right for us, then totally. But apart from that, eh. Yeah. No, I mean, also, I mean, you already have two kids. So that's I do. Well, yeah. Right. When you're adding another child. Yeah. Um, dang. God, this has literally been one of like the range of life experience that you've had and you're only two years older than me. Yeah. It's so vastly different. And yeah. also, I mean, the fact that you can, I don't know. I think it taught, it, you're a really strong person. The way that you've been able to like carry, you know, knowing that you have your daughter, your teenage daughter, and then you have two other kids and like, and also seeing your sister two weekends ago. Yeah. Thank you so much for the compliment. I mean, yeah. I do like to think I'm a strong person. Um, but I think as an adopted kid, we all are, we all find ways to cope, you know? I do agree with that. Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree with like the independence aspect. I've always been a person where you figure it out. Yep. You survive. Yeah. You you gotta, there's not really an excuse not to, so you gotta figure it out. Yep. Um, but yeah, Amanda, I really, really, really am so thankful to your friend for sending that video to you. Um, and yeah, hopefully who knows? I mean, I would really love to even keep talking to you about, you know, further on with your family. Definitely. I'm if anything happens and yeah, I will keep you updated for sure. I I'd totally come back for a part two and I'm really appreciative to you for, you just creating this platform for us to share our stories and I'm going to have everyone that I know come follow <laughs> you because yeah. it's an important topic and thank you. Yeah, I appreciate you. Yeah. Well, dude, thank you so much. And hopefully I will talk to you soon. Thank Sounds you. Good. Thanks. Thank man. You so much. <laughs>